Detective Kellen O'Reilly is investigating a series of execution-style murders. These guys are professionals. kind of operation you mount for a bank. It's not an ordinary case. Those tiny things came to me. They were already damaged. Shoot them in the mouth, Mac. Neurotic. I'm going to bury those son of a bitches. And Detective O'Reilly is not an ordinary cop. The other day in the pharmacy when I shot that guy, it's like there was another man inside me. It was this urge to kill. He has a past that haunts him. You lied about your medical history. You've had me under investigation. A past that is shared with those who tried to destroy him 20 years ago. Now, the CIA funded Cold Haven, and they paid that man to play with human brains. Who are you sharing secrets with, Eugene? The whole goddamn world, including your pal on the CIA? McVeigh? Yeah. He's FBI. You want to change people so they can kill. We think you're having a nervous breakdown. Get out! To take lives, but to alter minds. I'll kill her! This is how all wars will be fought one day. Minefield. The war is on for brain control. Uh, joining me on Moving Radio today is a good friend and a film historian. I I met this guy a long time ago in university through some other mutual friends. And, uh, you know, as the years went by, not only has he been a filmmaker, uh, now he has evolved into so many different hats. Jason told me, he's like, we don't need to bother talking about all the hats. We're just going to go to film historian. He's a, he's a native of Alberta, friends. Jason Pohanski is our guest today film historian on moving radio and we're gonna be talking about a film called minefield jason how you doing i'm good chris i'm good all it's, right fantastic it's nice to talk to you again isn't it i know we saw each know. other a couple weeks ago when you were in town that was yeah. exciting and good i like that, that. yeah and i know i had reached out to you uh later last year to talk about this because i was very excited by these canadian international pictures imprints that we're getting uh down the pike and i don't think enough people know about it so that's why we're talking about it the film in question today is minefield that we're going to be talking about and it's released through vinegar syndrome on blu-ray mm -hmm. but it's through this imprint canadian international pictures uh, i picked up my copy at the lobby dvd shop on white avenue but you can also get these online at vinegar syndrome on their website so for anybody that maybe didn't get a chance to see this in like, you know, the I think it was like 90s when Sky released or was it like no, it was 89. Minefield was released in 89. It stars Michael it Ironside. Yeah. And Christopher Plummer. So we've got a couple of legendary Canadians there that you already get to talk about. Look, in Minefield, we got Christmas time from Montreal as a backdrop, a CIA control, nefarious doctors, union strikes, uh, acid and so much more. So I don't know that that all makes sense when you throw it in a pot together, but it will. So why don't you just tell a little bit about Minefield to those of the audience that are uninitiated? Quite simply on the surface, it's it's a thriller. It just comes across as a straight ahead thriller. Michael Ironside is sort of doing his tough man 
pop thing that he does has has done quite often but what it really does is it pulls on actual events so there is the element of cia mind control and montreal is very present in it and the politics of montreal at the time or the decades before because there is the police strike action that goes on as well but to sort of lay out the story it's uh, the story of kelly o'reilly who is michael ironside He's a Montreal cop and he's investigating the death of an underworld figure. And during the investigation, a memory is unlocked for him of this medical experiment that he participated in when he was in college. And as it unfolds, we it leads him to the CIA cover-up and Dr. Satoris, who is Christopher Plummer's character. He's, he's in a lot of ways a mad scientist in this, but he's based on a real character. And then we end up in a, in a big shootout. Yeah, <laughs> in Olympic yeah. Stadium. Nonetheless, yes. it's pretty heavy. I, I mean, it's it's interesting because when you look at it on the surface level, I think the biggest layer that's kind of peeled back is that, you know, marketing wise, this thing almost kind of looked like, oh, that's reminiscent of scanners. And I'm like, this very is, much so. Yeah, this is but, not scanners, but it's it's still an intriguing, I think, kind of like thrilling in some ways. Uh, there's just less head exploding. Well, a lot less head exploding. <laughs> yeah. um, there, there is some mirrors that explode. So yeah, the poster has has Michael Ironside hooked up to these wires that are attached to his head, and he's screaming. I think in it, like he's, mm -hmm. his mouth is wide open, and it does it does have a scanner's feel, and it's kind of got elements of science fiction, but because it is so rooted in in an actual story and actual events that happened around Montreal. It really doesn't play like a science fiction film. No, not at all. I don't know. That's what was interesting about it is that it's kind of sold that way. And even the trailer in some ways kind of feels like that. So it's not that I was disappointed. I was just like, oh, I was pleasantly surprised. This is a complete like left turn of what I maybe thought it was. There are even other routes for this production of Minefield. It was actually the director of the original My Buddy Valentine even factored into it. So talk just a little bit about the roots of Minefield before it even started and how it evolved a little bit. George McCalla, who had directed My Bloody Valentine, which is a horror film that I think a lot of Canadian genre fans are going to be aware of and know about. Um, he had just actually done My Bloody Valentine prior to this film. And he was friends with Tom Barry, who was the producer of Minefield. And he'd wanted to work with them. So they had started sort of knocking some ideas around. So George McCullough was supposed to be the original director of the film. He, he does have a screenwriting credit, but he essentially is the, the guy that developed it. He used to drive by Ravenscrag, which is where the Allen Memorial Institute, which is part of McGill, Faculty of Medicine. It's where all the events of the CIA, CIA mind control, we'll get into that in a little bit, happened. And so it's sort of started running in his mind and he kind of said we we should do something about mk ultra the cia mind experiments so he actually enlisted the help of william deverall as the writer william deverall was an author um he had at that time actually just published his first book and mccullough had wanted to pull in a real writer to work on it so he got Deverall involved. Deverall apparently vacationed or spent his summers in Costa Rica. So Tom Barry, George McCullough, and William Deverall all went down to Costa Rica and uh, just basically workshopped this idea. And after about a month, they came away with what would become Minefield. And then in the interim, George McCullough had gotten busy with another project and it came time to shoot. They'd already locked in their actors. 
and McCullough couldn't do it, so that's when they brought in Jean-Claude Lord to take over the directing reins. So in a lot of ways, George McCullough was the guy who started this whole project and had wanted to be the director. Yeah, and I love giving some context about some of these films because, A, I think they're underappreciated, and that's what I really love about what Canadian International Pictures is doing, and B, that there is a story behind every single one of these films. So it's great if you want to just watch it as one layer of it being a Michael Ironside vehicle because you love that guy. Maybe you're a big Starship Troopers fan. I don't know. (laughs) Something like that. But I think that there's so much more to... What happens with a lot of these films, uh, it seems like we only really kind of get into the minutia of a lot of those American films, right? And that that's what I love about uh, Canadian International Pictures. Our guest today is film historian Jason Pohansky. He, we're talking about Minefield, obviously, and we're going to talk about it several more times here with a few more questions. We got to the roots of it, the beginning of it. But let's talk about before the film starts. And you've kind of been re- referencing this a bit, is that there's uh, this crawl at the very beginning, letting the audience know that there's actually some legitimacy to this idea of the mind control experiments and not in this one of the vague ways where it's like, oh, it's it's like based on a true story, like a cocaine bear, where it's like, no, a bear just died from eating cocaine. And then the rest is <laughs> completely fictitious. This has some roots in legitimate experiments that were made. So give us a little peek inside that conversation between you and Paul Krupp from the conexploitation.com website uh, have about that and Dr. Donald Cameron. Paul Korup, who does the commentaries with me generally, most of the time, he's kind of the expert on it. He'd already done a lecture on what what was known as MK Ultra, which was the series of experiments that were run by Dr. Ewan Campbell. And what he was trying to do was, at the time, this was all done in Montreal, he was trying to cure schizophrenia, essentially by erasing existing memories in the patient. And he would do that by an assortment of drugs, including LSD and electroshock therapy. He professed, like, you know, to be able to erase the negative parts of a person's personality by doing this. And it caught the attention of the CIA. So the CIA were actually funding him to do these experiments. And a number of people went through the went through his clinic. Um, it was all done as sort of a cure. But what really happened was he ended up messing up a lot of people. Um, some people he basically rendered them complete vegetables after doing some of this stuff. Other people basically forgot who they were, and it led to a lawsuit later on. And it got a lot of news attention in the late seventies, early eighties as well, because they were because this collective lawsuit had had begun, which is also part of Minefield. Lisa Langlois' character is a lawyer who is representing these clients. And yeah, it would be, you know, the CBC would actually make a, a made-for-television series called The Sleep Room, which was directed by Ann Wheeler, an Albertan director, like 10 years later. That's the story behind MK Ultra. There's that truth to it. Obviously, all the nefarious goings-on of the CIA, I mean, they were trying to cover it up, but not not as dramatically as they do in minefield where they're going around killing people. It's still kind of crazy though. Spoilers away. It's it's still kind of insane. They were like, Oh, we're just trying like, and in some ways you look at it as like, Oh, we can, you know, erase or somehow limit trauma mentally. Mm -hmm. But really it wasn't, I mean, that's maybe what it was. It's purest intent. Right. But that didn't really work like that. Well, Dr. Cameron prior to this, his career, 
before had a number of bizarre ideas that he had done. He had, I was just reading this today because this wasn't mm. really part of it, but um, he was working to try to limit German people because he, he felt that they had, there was something about the German race that led to the Holocaust rather than <laughs> the events that actually occurred. Um, so he was working, I think that was, you know, the beginnings of his thoughts into curing schizophrenia and stuff. This, this wild stuff. <laughs> Anyways, he, he saw schizophrenia not necessarily as a mental disorder that was brought on by other factors. It, to him, it was a condition that had to be erased. It's crazy. And you wouldn't know, like watching the film, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily agree, like believe that that this was based on a real thing like this yeah. could quite it easily seems too wild fantasyful like yeah yeah and uh i mean that's kind of where the loosely based uh plumber character kind of comes in as well who's a doctor at the end and i just thought it's great to kind of see actors of that caliber in this film too i think really raise the level of the film beyond anything that we look at as being like oh it's just one of those crazy direct-to-video pretty much films and i thought that was one of the better parts of that too you know Let's talk a little bit about uh, Minefield. I think, you know, we've kind of been talking about is executed in a much grander scope than than most people may think with this climax at Olympic Stadium, which is pretty wild uh, when it doesn't look completely decrepit. That's for sure. Right. Uh, the CIA mind experience, the the kind of noir underbelly of the film as well. So talk to us a little bit about how you think Minefield achieved something grander than maybe it's been acknowledged for. In, in its history, it did. It was, you know, basically was seen direct to video. So, and it was seen, it wasn't seen in the scope that we see it now in this release, right? In the, in the eighties and early nineties, when you rented a video, it was usually formatted four by three for your old TV. So you didn't feel the grandness of it. It, it looked like television in a lot of cases. And then they really used the city well, right? Olympic park was relatively new. And so it gave this, at the time, this futuristic sort of feel to the film and getting into the stadium to shoot with all the extras and the, the police rally, which was also based on real events that had happened about a decade earlier, just kind of filled it out. I mean, part of it comes, I think, you know, from pulling in the writer that they did by having William Deverell write the script, he was able to put in a lot of the details a lot of details like pulling details from everywhere and he was he was a thriller writer he wrote thriller novels um, in fact he wrote a novel based on the script of minefield that was released before the film actually came out so it kind of it led to some confusion that maybe it was based on his book great performances the cinematography was pretty so rock solid right I agree with you on all of that. That's uh, that's what kind of drew me in as well. We're talking about Minefield. It's a film that you can see through Vinegar uh, Syndrome releases. Uh, I got a Blu-ray copy myself. You can pick it up at their website, vinegarsyndrome.com, as well as in our little old town of Edmonton at the Lobby DVD shop on White Avenue. It's from Canadian International Pictures. So let's talk a little bit about Canadian International Pictures because, you know, you're a bit of a hired gun, if you will, on a film like this where uh, you're asked to do the commentary on it. You know, tell me what it is that you think is important about these releases and maybe a little bit about, you know, working with Jonathan Doyle, David Marriott and Ai Tashineri, 
and what they do with Canadian international pitchers. So, yeah, a little bit about yourself and why it's meaningful for you and and the connection to uh, Canadian international, what you like about what they do. I'll, I'll just back it up a little bit in yeah. saying that. So the commentaries that I, I do for CIP, I do primarily with Paul Korup. And Paul Korup, years and years ago, started a website called Canucksploitation.com. So he's been in the world of Canadian genre films for decades. We both have an interest in, in Canadiana and Canadian genre and Canadian film in general. So any attempt to put out Canadian films that have been overlooked over the years is, is, is a highly admirable thing. We are sort of uh, guns for hire, so to speak, but they come to us because, because of Paul's history with Canucksploitation and the work we've done together prior to this label starting up. They are in releasing some really interesting films and films that you know haven't seen release since the 80s. In some cases, they never seen any kind of home video release. They put a lot of work into getting really good transfers of the film. So these films certainly have never been seen like this outside of their initial theatrical run. And in some cases, it might have been a couple weeks across Canada and then after that straight to video if they were seen on a screen at all. I mean, it's amazing what they're doing. So far, I think they've been acquiring films. I shouldn't really speak for them, so but I'll throw a few things. They've been acquiring films, but they are now actively sort of trying to get films and, and restore them themselves. They're going after things that really haven't been seen a lot. Um, I know they, they've just released a Denny Arcon film called Gina. You know, it's had a DVD release in Quebec since the VHS release back in the day. It hasn't. And these are, they're, they're actually planning to do all three of Denny Arcon's earliest films that really haven't been seen by English, English Canada much at all, let alone the world. And they're really interesting films. And they're, they're a much darker sort of set of films than what Denny Arcon has made since. I just think it's a really good thing. Yeah, I think it's fantastic to to kind of mine the history of Canadian cinema because it, it does get lost a lot. Like the times that I've had where I've spoken to directors or anybody even behind films for the last, let's say things that have been released for the last 50 years, let's say, yeah. like going from the 70s, like uh, so much of it is difficult to find if you want to so it's that's what i love about uh cip and what they're doing now is that you know we're talking about genre films mostly on the ones that you've been on but it's it's so much more than that too and at least there's you know some cleaned up versions or some respect paid to these films so they're not just lost and especially french language films like you're saying too that they are just as into putting out uh and i'm just glad there's an audience for it to be honest with you because that's what people always think there's nobody out there that cares and i'm like i don't know yeah, I mean, <laughs> there there are films that they put out that, you know, people remember seeing, people my age, our age, <laughs> remember seeing when we were young, but there's, mm -hmm. you've never, you've never really been able to get your hands on it or see it yeah. in better quality than that VHS tape that you might have rented back in the day or, you know, somebody taped it off television. I was thinking about this too. That's one of the sad things sort of about our little streaming world and culture is these films are getting even more lost than they had through the 90s and into the 2000s when people people had the specialty channels and they could stumble stumble over these CanCon masterpieces because they were airing. And now, unless you know what you're looking for, you need some kind of curation 
Mm -hmm. to find it and and a video label like cip does that right they put out these things and if if you've liked one of them you're willing to take a chance on another one they're all very solid films that they put out they haven't been putting out stinkers yes (laughs) i will agree with you like look if you need more than my stamp of approval you've got jp's he says none of them are stinkers (laughs) so you're good you're good. That's probably going to be on the box of their next release. None of these are stinkers. <laughs> Jason Bohansky has been our guest today on Moving Radio. We've been talking about the film Minefield starring Michael Ironside and Christopher Plummer. You can get it on Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray at their website. Or you can also check out, of course, our friend Kevin Martin on White Avenue at the Lobby DVD shop. That's where I got mine. JP, uh, wonderful as always to talk to you. I have a feeling I'm going to talk to you again in the future very soon about another film from CIP. (laughs) That'd be great.